Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour. I try to sound like one of those guys from the 50s. Kudzu Radio Hour. This is Kudzu Hour, Radio Hour number 144. What? 144. This podcast was recorded on Saturday, March 13th, 2021. And, well, we're going to be talking about a little bit later on with the panel. We're going to talk about diamonds in the rough. Maybe uh, some artists that some of us know about that you may not be aware of that maybe you should be aware of, you know, that kind of thing. It's going to be fun. It's always fun. Also, we'll play another round of high fidelity and we'll have recommendations of stuff that, you know, us guys are uh, on the panel. The four of us are always immersed in uh, media, you know, um, at least three of us are journalists that have written about music and, you know, so we listen to everything in the world and watch everything in the world on TV and movies and read every book ever printed. So if you don't believe it, please, uh, because of these guys, I have a stack of books, no kidding, nine books. I'm nine books behind and I'm, I don't read that fast folks. I will eventually get through them, though, and I'm having a good time with doing it. Kudzu Radio Hour wants to say thank you to our wonderful sponsors. These folks are the greatest. Springer Mountain Farms out of Georgia. Springer Mountain Farms chicken. Man, I'm going to tell you what. If you like chicken, you want to get the good stuff, right? Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms, not corporate farms, folks. Family farms, family, family, family. It's all about family and farms. <laughs> it really is. Uh, these chickens are raised with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts. Never, 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 never. So it's healthy, right? You can order, the, uh, read more about it or order the chicken and have it delivered to your house. I myself have gone to the door to find a cooler full of boneless, skinless chicken breasts. Um, oh, back before Christmas, I went out there and had received a full um, smoked, already pre-cooked chicken. All you have to do is thaw it out and heat it up in the microwave. And it was so good. I'm gonna tell you, it lasted for a long time too. Springer Mountain Farms chicken. Uh, read about it or order online at springermountain.com, springermtn.com, springermountain.com. When you talk about chicken, you're talking about Springer, baby. I ain't no spring chicken, but I am a Springer chicken kind of guy. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's just, that's uncalled for. I'm sorry. But then again, you know, but uh, the show is also brought to you by my favorite rock and roll band, this side of the Beatles and the Almond Brothers. In fact, they kind of remind me of a cross between the Beatles and the Elder Brothers. It's the Box Masters. Boom, 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 boom. I've been following these guys since they started 13 years ago or so. Uh, Bud Thornton and J.D. Andrew and the guys, they have a wonderful band. And uh, their latest album is called Light Race. And it is so good. I mean, it's melodic. It's, uh, it's got a lot of jingle jangle guitar like the birds kind of thing, you know, a little bit of that Dave Clark five kind of thing. And it's also got a little bit of hillbilly in it because, you know, 
you can take the boy out of the hills, but you can't take the hills out of the boy. Just ask Billy Bob because he came from Arkansas. He came from Arkansas. Yeah, I know it's Arkansas, but when I was a kid, I kept calling it Arkansas. <laughs> he was from Arkansas, and now he lives out there in Hollywood, out there with all you movie stars and all that kind of stuff. Uh, swimming pools, movie stars. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's Beverly Hillbillies. I got confused there. The Boxmasters rock. If you don't believe me, listen for yourself. Go to theboxmasters.com, listen to the music, order. Suddenly, I felt like I was hearing the Doobie Brothers. Listen to the music. Uh -huh. um, yeah, Boxmasters. Light Rays is available on CD, download, and also on a beautiful, you know, vinyl LP, which sounds wonderful, wonderful. I know because I've got one. And uh, all sorts of other products available at theboxmasters.com. Check them out, man. It's the thing. It's the thing to do. Theboxmasters.com. So we appreciate our sponsors very much. And we appreciate you, you, you for listening. And please spread the word, Thunderbird. Please let everybody know about the podcast and all the stuff we got going. Because we, we love to have people listen and comment and write to us at kudzumag at yahoo.com. Spell it K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag at yahoo.com. And uh, send us your uh, cards and letters and love letters and tweets and uh, hate mail and uh, everything because we just like getting mail, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, that's true, that's true. So we're gonna be talking about diamonds in the rough in a little while, right? So what I'm gonna do is I picked music today from my own personal list of diamonds in the rough. And uh, there's a lady that's been a friend, uh, a friend of mine for years from the same town I'm from, Spartanburg, but she's lived in Nashville forever. And she's a great, great, great songwriter named Marshall Chapman. And she is just last week, just did her 50th consecutive free live stream every Saturday afternoon, four o'clock Eastern Standard Time for an hour. She's on her Facebook page doing a live stream taking requests and we have just bukus of people from all over the world even from greece uh that are on there chatting during the show and it's just like become like a little community it's just fabulous marshall's done 14 albums she's absolutely amazing i'm gonna play you a song uh by her this may be my favorite song it's about uh, two people who fall in love and couldn't be more different than either uh, each other but it works out you know and it reminds me of my my uh, former uh, love of my life uh, who's no longer with us and uh, so the song really reminds me of her and you know and then Marshall's just I don't know she's the best so anyway we're gonna play some Marshall Chapman we'll be back with more stuff right after this uh, song okay y'all stick around and uh, call uh, phone phone the neighbors and wake the kids it's going to be a happening yeah hi this is marshall chapman and you're listening to the massively fabulous michael buffalo smith on the kudzu radio hour all right He 
next things that he can do with his brain is put together that way and she falls apart when something touches her heart feelings give her away he loves his computer She loves her guitar And while he sits and stares at his screensaver She stares at the stars And he calls her my little mademoiselle Cause she can parlay français Just for fun, she calls him Air Force One He's first class all the way He loves his espresso She prefers herbal tea And how these two lovers ever got together Remains a mystery to me And he loves his hotels Hermetically sealed A chocolate mint on his pillow And she prefers motels, her car parked by her room Where she can open the window He frequently travels And she prefers staying home She is happy just to hear her own breathing While he CD rolls She writes letters That are ten pages long He sends memos by email And she shops for bargains At outlet store malls He goes for that retail She loves the desert He loves the sea And how these two lovers ever Got together Remains a mystery to me Quelle différence Impossible, oui Two lovers ever got together remains a mystery to me. Well, yeah, that is my dear friend for many, many moons. Marshall Chapman of Nashville, Tennessee. 
born and raised in Spartanburg, South Carolina, but uh, went to Vanderbilt College and became a big, big songwriter in Nashville, hanging out with Waylon and uh, Shaver and all those people that were her friends. And um, she's, uh, she's great. And I will say I recommend her Saturday afternoon uh, live streams. Last week was her 50th consecutive um, week of doing the live streams since the lockdown and four o'clock Eastern standard time. Every Saturday she does an hour live stream takes takes requests. Oh, it's on her Facebook page, Marshall Chapman, Facebook page. We have a chat going on during the thing too, with all these people from all over the world. There's people from Greece and California and everywhere, um, on there at the same time. It's just like a, I don't know. It's kind of a cool thing. You know, it's real cool. And she, you never know what she's going to play. She, she's got plenty of her own songs because she did 14 albums, but she also will do whip out a shaver tune or a, uh, Towns Van Zandt or, uh, whatever. And it's always good. So anyway, Marshall Chapman there for you. Uh, I want to say, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, and I want to welcome, uh, our co-host one of, one of whom is not, in today we're, we miss patrick he'll be back but he's not in today but we want to uh say a, a big welcome coming to you live via satellite from massachusetts is billy eli what's up buff how's everything in spartanburg couldn't be better man it's uh, another one of these uh, 74 75 degree days two in a row i mean i'm getting used to it well, it's, and all almost, the way from, it's almost summer man it is thank god all the way from austin texas or as I like to say, Tejas is uh, the one and only uh, Jimmy Jimmy Hemphill. I call him Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy since, since when? Uh, just just five right. minutes ago. Just five right. minutes ago. Since just now. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you know. I hear people. people Man, don't don't start referring to him as Jimmy. I want to know who the fuck you're talking. Like about. Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Mr. No. Kit. Look, man, no. it's taken me a long time to remember all of y'all's names. Don't start changing them now. Man. Well, you know, well, I, you know, the only way I could remember Billy's name for the first year was to think of Three Dog Night and Eli's coming. Yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, remember, I remember that. Man. Yeah, we we'll have to sing the song, and I go. Yeah, oh yeah, his name is Eli. Let's, let's skip over that part. Yeah, well, there's a lot of parts of my life I'd like to skip over, but you just can't. You ain't you drinking say, enough. See, I'm sure I have, have a lot of those, baby. but I don't remember most. Yeah, of I need that high content alcohol like you got, man. My, I could drink like 48 of these Coors Lights, and it wouldn't even affect me. Uh, Not true. You'd have to go. You'd have to, have to hit the head off. every yeah, five yeah. minutes. Thank you, thank you. We'll also take these Lasix. For my heart, these uh, water pills. So that combined with it, it's like right, yeah, guaranteed, yeah. guaranteed yeah. to make you. I don't, uh, I don't know why you don't just sleep in the bathroom. Yeah, well, I have before. Um, it's not what, a uh, what are you What are you drinking, Jim? Water. Ah, damn. Sorry, quitter. man. Quitter. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Water. Uh, what are, What are you drinking, Buff? Well, I'll give you one guess. Is it Coors Light? Coors that's Light. Almost, that's almost the same thing Jim's drinking. And my cream koozie. Mine, mine tastes better. <laughs> right, yeah. I got my cream koozie and I got my, I just got in the mail my cream postcards with recreations of the covers. 
This first one I was looking at while y'all were talking a while ago because I was bored. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and this one from '73 it says, um, "What does it say on it?" It made me think of Jim because it says, "The New York Dolls have come <laughs> for your children." Yeah, boom. <laughs> I've been reading that man. I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way through that. Uh, Just kill me. God, what a great book. Yeah, isn't that a good book? And I mean, I like the Iggy stuff's fun and Iggy, Iggy, Iggy Stooges. Well, I got into the doll stuff. I was just eating it up and the Bowie and the dolls and all the groupies, you know, Pamela and all those, um, all those girls. <laughs> I mean, golly. G- I mean, can you G- imagine G-T-O? even living through that crap? Golly. Drugs. God. I tell you what amazed me that any uh, that the people uh, that wrote books about it amazed me that they remembered enough of it. To I think they made it all up. Write a book. Yeah. True. True. Sometimes I, recollections uh, differ, and I think there's a good explanation for I that. I have a book of. Uh, <laughs> I'm just finishing up a book of short stories called "Once Upon a Time in the South," and it's all these fiction stories, some of which are a little bit like Stephen King kind of things on. I got this girl whose opinion I respect named Lori and she's a first person I've ever let read these things. Some of these I started 15 or 20 years ago and I just decided I was going to get these things out, but I had one story called the acid queen. And it was just this complete, complete fantasy about being in New York during the heyday of CBGBs and, uh, tripping balls. Back backstage with all these Iggy and everybody, Patty Smith, everybody's there. You know, it's like I don't know. It tur- she said she thought it was uh, good, and that which is makes me happy because I know she don't care at all about man, that type of music. You gotta start putting some. You gotta start putting some of my stuff in cuts, man. Well, yeah, I want to, but I don't. You know, it means too much to me to give it away. I give away all my other writing, but it's like, I want to try and actually get a real publisher to look at these things, you know, and good, mm-hmm. good luck, man. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking your talent or content, well, you, man. I, you, I think you you're a great writer, it. but getting up to anybody that can make that kind of decision is like, yeah, fuck. That's like finding a goddamn unicorn. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I have established some relationships in the business. So, um, you know, I do have, uh, you know, a few steps up the ladder ahead of others. Right. Um, just because of being nice to people, you know. Right. It goes a long it's, way. Right. It's just saying what you really think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because there's enough people that do that in the world, man. They, they people that just knock the wind out of your sails just for fun. No. Billy. Um, anyway, the uh, <laughs> Billy. The, uh, yeah, okay, man. Yeah, man, that's hard. 45 <laughs> minutes later, we're going to start the show now. Let's start uh, the let's show, see. man. Let's do that. Yeah, we're going to talk about what we're going to do first is we're going to play. Wait, play the cue the theme music for High Fidelity. Oh, wait, there's not any. There isn't any. High fidelity. Bah, if, we had, bah, bah. if we had Bill Murray singing, it would be perfect. <laughs> I'll get on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Have your people call Bill. That, that's going to be the funniest goddamn thing to come out of the show today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, I'll, I'll get on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's right. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he, he takes care of those things for us. Uh, high fidelity. Um, okay, guys. Uh, the, you got a quote? Yeah. I got, I got two, actually. Uh, you know, and forgive me if some of these are repeats, because I cannot remember what we've done and what we haven't right. done. Yeah, me either. Who so, I want you to name one uh, great song not commonly known by the masses, something that you really like that maybe other people may have never heard of, Billy. Oh, damn, man. I ain't going to be able to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to go first, though. Let Jim go first. Well, there's only two of you, so. Right. So any song that what that's not a hit? Or give me some parameters well, the, here. Well, the there's not any. No, the parameters are uh, <laughs> well, a song that you like that is not, a, you know, wasn't a big mass hit or anything, but you it's like a good it. song. Okay. Good I song got, I that got, other people should hear. I, I got one. I got one. Uh, it's okay, a Tom Petty song, and, it, and it's uh, not one of his hits. It's a, right. it's a B-side, and uh, did he, uh, uh, I think it's on that album Long After Dark. It's called uh, One Story Town, Lost in a One Story Town. It's uh, a great, great song, good hook, lots of energy, man. The band was in peak form. Uh, yeah, that that's a good. that's a great song and could have been a radio hit. Yeah. Ex except the radio hits were in front of it, so it, it didn't, uh, you know. Well, you know, on that uh, Wildflowers box, there's a whole album of songs that he cut at the same time he did Wildflowers. They're just as good as the Wildflowers album. Right. So, I mean, there's just so much Tom Petty stuff right. that, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I got you. Well, yeah. I guess my question is how obscure do I go? Because, I've, I mean, there's lots <laughs> yeah. of songs I love from local bands that no one's ever heard of. Well, just make one list and not five lists. So, so well, I just, okay. So, <laughs> one song. There's most of the songs I love, no one has ever heard of. So, it's, of it's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's choosing from a plethora. I'm just going to go. I just looked over at my CD collection and saw a Guided by Voices CD. So, I'm going to say the song is called Chasing Heather Crazy by Guided by Voices. <laughs> it is at least on a major label. So, uh, well, so I'm well, not. Well, that's. That's rare for your record. Collection. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, most yeah. of, most of guided by voices stuff was not major label, but they had a few major label records there in the late nineties. And, uh, most from, of your favorite stuff. Is major label. That is absolutely true, but it should have been a hit. It's got a great melody. It's got kind of mid period who drumming, and it's got all this just fantastic, uh, you know, it's it's melodic it rocks it's got a fantastic chorus hook there's just nothing bad about the song it's it's a it's like a perfect uh melodic rock song and no one's ever heard it what's a, what's the title again it's called Chas Ch chasing heather crazy crazy <laughs> uh, <laughs> guided by voices that's my pick i'm, gonna well, I'm sticking with when it, it. when well, listen over. to it and tell me it doesn't tell me it doesn't sound like the who particularly the bridge the who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you exactly. got one you you got one buff? I do. Uh, uh this goes back to 1992 when I was uh we had Edge magazine in Greenville, South Carolina and I started getting all these things from Rhino Records and all this other kind of stuff and there was just things coming in I'd never heard of. So this uh duet album came out um 
it's Gregson and Collister. It's Clive Gregson and Christine Collister. And um, this, this album was so freaking good. But there's a song on there that I could listen to every day. And what's so weird is an upbeat, happy song about spousal abuse. Man, but so much rock and roll is like that. Yeah, man, it's right? called this is very heavy sounding right? stuff about you know eating somebody in a coal mine. It's so, this song, yeah, that, yeah like exactly. Tim, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, that's a reference to a couple yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. the, song, the song is called This Is the Deal, right? And uh, it's like uh, the way their voice is, you know, he'll be singing, and Christine had that uh husky voice for a while i thought she her voice was a male um she her range is just huge but it's like uh, it's talking about uh comparing it the woman to a butterfly tied to a wheel this is the deal and uh iron wheel and nerves of steel blah 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 and it's just such a um i mean it gives me cold chills um uh, here is the catch. A man who's never met his match feels that might is always right. Uh, won't give up without a fight, blah, 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 blah. All that. It's just a great song. And the whole album is called uh, change in the weather. And the whole album is just wonderful. And, um, so Gregson and Collister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I never saw them as Gregson and Collister, but I did see him with Richard Thompson when they were. Oh God. Band. Yeah. Fairport. Uh, no, post Fairport, they toured with him in the early '80s. Oh um, God, man! Yeah. Wow, I'd love to sing that. Yeah, he is just absolutely Richard, just amazing. I I saw him in Atlanta, and I just sat there with my mouth gaped open, just him on a guitar, and I'm like, oh. we saw him what about eight years ago, Jim at South by at the uh, at Waterloo Records. Yeah. Yep. Well, playing with a damn trio, they sounded like nine people. Yep, yep. I've seen, I've seen Richard. I interviewed him once, and he was a great interview. Very humble. Well, um, he was a really nice guy, and uh, re- very, very nice guy. And and yeah, that song, it, that song, uh, Bee's Wing, is my favorite. <laughs> she was a fine thing, fine as a bee's wing. God, that's so cool. That's a, yeah, that is good, isn't it? Man. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, if I don't know how many people know this song, but I mean, you know, Richard Thompson wrote this song, 1952, Vincent Black Lightning. Oh, God. Yeah. Delmar that's a phenomenally good in the song. history of the world. And if more people should know it than know it. So I, I mean, yeah, I absolutely will sign When Del McCurry was on top of the world right after he did that album with Steve Earle, uh, and I interviewed Dale and all about this album. He cut that. He cut a version of that. He yeah, did. yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, man, God. I, st- I still like, man, I still like the Richard version. Uh, Richard version, and he does that solo, man, when they're playing live. Band leaves the stage, he plays it on just acoustic guitar. Yeah. All, all four of those guitar parts, he plays. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's playing all four of those guitar parts at, at the, the same, same time. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's yeah. A, there there's a there's a video. Of, this is you know probably ten or more years ago where there was a songwriter circle, and I can't remember who the other three songwriters were, but he was in the songwriter circle, and it came around to him, and he's doing it, and they're all kind of looking at him like, oh god damn it, you know, there's just I might no as well go way. home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> When, when me and when me and you saw him at Waterloo, uh, I don't know if you remember this, man. Uh, something you said to me then uh, at the time, Jim. You, you uh, 
He turned around and said, you know, man, what makes him so good? He never, ever plays it safe. He exactly. He, he never Goes plays out on it a limb every he, time, every single time, man. You know, every the, single time he never plays what you're expecting to hear. That's a, that's right. I, I had that conversation many times in the Southern rock world about toy Caldwell, Paul Riddle. Same, say, same, yeah, same he, kind he of thing, he would, man. He would run out to the end of the limb and just keep running. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's, if sometimes, uh, Paul said, sometimes the limb might break, but if it didn't break, it was like uh, Nirvana. I mean, it was like, not the band, but like the spirit experience. Well, and, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked it too much, but after toy would get into it a whole lot, man. I mean, it stopped just being like country and rock started having overtones of damn jazz and swing and everything. And mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, and you can hear that and you can isolate bits of his solos and listen to him. And I swear to God, you think you listen to Les Paul play. Well, you know, man, a lot man, of people, a lot of people didn't realize his affinity, his love for, um, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboy. Yeah, the Western Swing, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Just God, swing, just yeah. Love that stuff. God. Right. Anyway, uh, that's uh, good. Yeah, man. let's. Uh, we probably ought to avoid that. Rabbit well, okay. Hole. <laughs> well, uh, that we we took enough time on that question, so that's good enough for the game, and we'll just move right ahead along into uh, recommendations. Recommendations. Uh, and Let I'm me gonna, go. I'm look. gonna do one right quick so oh. I can uh, go get a beer and. I, and put I have up. one. I have one this week, and, I, and I'm going to tell you before you leave. Uh, the, I have one because I was chatting this morning with our friend Rebel. <laughs> and, oh, and, boy. Uh, yeah, and he 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 uh, took my recommendation and watched Rancho Deluxe, and he suggested another movie that I – he said, man, check this out. And that was just this morning, so I hadn't watched it, but I'm going to add it to our rec list. But go ahead. Yeah, good. Uh, I'm going to do – I'm going to say two things because – one of them's not one of them's just a lifetime recommendation, but I wanted to call attention to uh, later on today. Whenever I get time, I have recorded a new Ambassador of Southern Rock video entry uh, for YouTube that I'm going to put up, and it's all a celebration of at Fillmore East, which was recorded this weekend fifty years ago. Wow! Wow! On this uh, wow this weekend. Wow! And, uh, and boy, do you feel old now, but I did a whole thing on that and taught, uh, read, I actually read the chapter out of my almond book, but also put just, it took a long time this morning, post putting all kinds of pictures into it. I think it's, it'll be fun. Plus there's a little video at the beginning of the almonds, uh, at Fillmore East playing. It's really kind of a cool video. Um, but anyway, that's not my, my recommendation is to everybody is the, uh, Fillmore East album. And it has been my number one album since 1972. So, uh, anyway, that's not it though. My other recommendation, and don't you think these bands go together very well? Uh, the Ramones, um, I watched the, uh, documentary we're out of here. Uh, which is uh, their last concert that they did in Hollywood uh, with special guest Eddie Vedder and, of course, Lemmy from uh, Motorhead and everything. And I've been on a whole, I mean, you can't see it because we're not on video, but I got my Ramon shirt on today. I've been on a Ramon's kick, and it's all because of uh, that book you guys recommended, Please Kill Me, which I'm very much enjoying. 
and it reminded me of you know being fortunate enough to get to see uh ramones once and uh god i wish i could have i would have loved to have been at this last show but i started just going all over the place on youtube looking at videos and there's a real good one i posted on my facebook page of um the ramones on the um uh, uh tomorrow show being interviewed <laughs> just hilarious stuff um you know and they were like what gets me is though these uh I, I still call them squares because I'm old, but these square people, like the lady that was interviewing them, you know, they're kind of like trying to poke fun at them, you know, uh, kind of making fun. They uh, close the camera in on, uh, Joey's like converse all-stars, like there's something wrong with him wearing tennis shoes, or she's talking about his hair down in his eyes. You know, you can't see, can you? I mean, isn't it dangerous for you to be driving and, that's stupid shit, you know, but it, it was fun. It was funny. And, um, I just have I've rekindled my love for the Ramones with the, uh, the, uh, video, uh, just, I oh, know that's the book. Just kill me. The video is called we're out of here. Sorry. Uh, I can't remember anything anymore. It's real good. So there you go. Ramones and the Allman brothers together again for the first time. Perfect. And, um, uh, all right, so uh, next up, we have either one of you who want to talk. Let's, let's let Jim go. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay, well, my recommendation this week is uh, is a band called The War on Drugs, and their latest album is called Live Drugs. Nice, now, this, yeah, this like is, it. This is a band I've been aware of for many years, and I thought I had never heard them. And I, but I read a lot about them. And so this live record came out and I started listening to it And about two or three minutes into the first song. I had an instant flashback to a hot day outside at Zilker Park here in Austin at Austin City Limits Fest. And I'm like, oh, I think I have seen this band before. And I think I listened to them for about 10 minutes and said, this is wallpaper and turned around and left and went <laughs> out a beer or something. But I decided to stick it out and I'm glad I did. Uh, this is not the kind of band that I normally like. Uh, the, the adjective or the descriptor I see attached to them maybe more often than anything else is dad rock, which I never quite understood what it is. I think it's, a, I don't think it's supposed to be a compliment. Um, I think it's, <laughs> I, it's like, yeah, you think it's one of those left-handed things like yacht rock. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's intended to refer to bands that are currently making music, but that are influenced by classic rock and are unchallenging and unthreatening that dads can listen to while they, I don't know, mow the lawn or whatever. Um, but it's true that this band's songs are not the kind of hooky songs that I normally like, you know? Right, right. They're, they're, and they're not exactly soundscapes either. Uh, these songs are long, most of the songs are five, six, seven minutes long. And it's not like they're a jam band either because they'll be, they'll go for a couple minutes on a two chord vamp that is, might have some it, vocals, but also it just has kind of textural elements. It's, so it's, if you, Oh, go ahead. I'm finished, yeah, and then I have a question. It's not really ambient either. And so I went to see how other people were describing them. And one person said, the war on drugs sounds like Bob Dylan fronting the heartbreakers while playing Bruce Springsteen songs with an epic Pink Floyd quality. 
Uh, and that's I would an, throw it. That's I an would, interesting mix. I, I, I don't hear Heartbreakers. I hear Dylan. I hear Springsteen. I hear Pink Floyd. And the thing that really hooked me is about five minutes into the first song, this fantastic Neil Youngish guitar solo gets ripped off. And I'm like, wow, that just elevated the song. Um, they, these are not radio friendly songs. Uh, the one, another band that came to mind a little bit is the water boys. If you remember. Oh, them yeah. Well, and th that you just, you just took away the need for my question. I was going to ask for general kind of genre, you know, like ish, not, but yeah, the, and you're talking about water boys, not, not their acoustic Irish folk thing. Right. Right. You're talking about their electric band. That was They're, Mike Scott. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, this one guy was describing them and he says, my wife calls them bad dire straits, dad rock. And he said, I call them awesome rock soundscapes that inexplicably manages to mix some very dated influences into a, into deep, beautiful music. And then someone else came back and said, just the sort of turgid, dull, bland, tedious crap that punk came along to destroy in the seventies. So opinions vary about the, right, world, right. Uh, but I really dig this live record. I've been streaming it on YouTube, uh, which is they, they have it. They're streaming free with commercials. Uh, and it just, I just don't know. There's something about the song, the, you know, and they say, you know, if you can't sit down with an acoustic guitar and play a song, it's not a good song. Well, these aren't that kind of songs. Um, yeah, but, that, but again, man, that's not always, I mean, that's not always factual, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, some stuff does not, it, it doesn't transfer well. Yeah. And you know, but you know, these are, these are songs that, that take time to build, uh, you know, they don't come at you. They kind of just, so these kind of, are these are what, you, what you're kind of describing, man. These are more like compositions. Than, yeah, and they don't, you know, they don't. They're not immediate, and they're very crafted, and they don't sound like they're, you know, have that immediacy and energy that most of my stuff does. Stuff I like does, but I mean, you know, and in almost every instance, I, the guitar solos have really, really kind of pulled me in because in almost every instance there, they, they elevate the song rather than relying on a big hook or something. They, they use musical textures, including uh, nice guitar solos. And again, like I said, real Neil Young influenced guitar solos to kind of push them forward. And it's, it's something different than I usually listen to. And I found it refreshing. So I don't like it enough to go out and buy their entire catalog. You know, I, it turns out that they won the Grammy a couple of years ago for best rock album. And I didn't even know that. I've uh, never even heard of the band, but, uh, but it, I don't like it so much. I'm going to go out and buy the, the rest of their stuff, but I'm going to keep listening to this live record. So it's the war on drugs is the band and the record is called live drugs. Excellent, Great. man. All right, I have a recommendation. Actually, Rebel had a recommendation. Um, <laughs> of course. Here was the thing, man. I, I let me just say again, I hadn't I hadn't seen this movie. Uh, but you know, I, I know Rebel to be a pretty thoughtful, you know, guy. And, yeah, and, he and, uh and he recommended this uh after he one of my recommendations, y'all remember a couple three weeks ago, I recommended Rancho Deluxe. Uh had the Jimmy Buffett soundtrack in it with uh, Sam Waterston and uh, now I'm blanking on. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, he he checked it out and really liked it because you know it was a quirky little '70s movie, man. And 
he said he me and him were chatting this morning and he said you know a movie you ought to check some movie called crazy and oh god bi- yeah it's a biopic about uh hank garland the, From right the nashville session guitar player yeah, yeah spartanburg guy i love that uh, movie and uh I didn't, I, I know nothing about the movie. I looked it up on uh, Internet Movie Database, and and it's, yeah, it's a biopic about his life. Now, I knew who he was because he was a famous Nashville session player yeah, that yeah. the Birdland guitar, the land part right. is from is from the Garland, the last right. part Garland, of his name, yeah. him yeah. and Billy Bird, who, play, who was the uh, lead player for a long time for Ernest Tubb. Ernest and, Tubb, yeah. uh, And so... Uh, I checked the synopsis. Uh, it's a, they say it's a pretty good biopic. It is. They, they said that they the, the the director took a little bit of liberty that he he wasn't quite the social outcast in Nashville that the movie made him out to mm. be. They did that for dramatic effect, but uh, you know his his career was tragically cut short. He was in a car wreck and yeah. it it uh, he was in a coma and he never quite pulled it back together uh right. but uh anyway yeah uh crazy is the name well, of see, it uh, hey. wow, I, I didn't know that movie existed well yeah, yeah. i didn't figure because that's the kind of thing i figured you both you and beach right. would have watched all yeah well, absolutely when i when i'm uh you know I, I met hank um years ago you know he was really good friends with toy uh caldwell and um uh you know as a matter of fact uh there was a guitar player magazine that uh had a interview toy caldwell interviewed hank garland i've got it here somewhere but anyway oh, that's cool man. yeah yeah it's cool and hank uh the thing about it you know toy told me one time he said uh, the thing is he said it's heartbreaking because hank used to you know play oh gosh he could play circles around anybody but after that wreck and it damaged a certain part of his brain he could be playing and just hitting wicked riffs and then just completely forget how to play the guitar right, right there. Right, right. How chord structure works. I don't know how and anything works. I, w- I would like to say something I, I forgot until you started talking about him and Toy Caldwell. One of the things that, uh, and and this was uh, uh, evident in, in his career, and they say it's evident in this biopic, you know, man, he started playing just kind of straight on country, Hank Williams kind of stuff. And then in the fifties, when rock and roll started coming out, he worked with Elvis Presley and he, yeah. he, he was one of the first session guitar players, man, to shift, to shift into that sort of rock and roll, rock and Billy mode. And then he drifted into, into jazz, man, with, with yeah, a swing yeah. and again, Les mm-hmm. Paul kind of stuff. And uh, so, you know, Nashville guitarist, they were, and I very rarely have anything positive to say about Nashville, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but they, you know, I mean, it, it, it turns out guys like, you know, Warner Hedges and guys like Chet Atkins, man, that's, you know, so, uh, well, uh, he, uh, Hank put an album. There's an album I got over here on my shelf, a CD called jazz winds from a new direction by Hank Garland. Mm-hmm. And it's just instrumental and it's amazing. Here's a little quick story. Back in 1994, uh, you know, I, I started one publication in Greenville called Edge Magazine. And then later on, we ended up dissolving that and starting one called The Color Green. It was a more upscale arts and entertainment magazine. Um, 
but Chet Atkins was coming to play at Converse College. And um, I requested an interview with Chet. I was talking to him and he's like, uh, oh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. He said, that's where Hank Garland's from. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, wow, I sure would like to see him, you know? So I tried to get, um, I tried, I tried to arrange to get Hank Garland over to Converse college to see Chet, but he was having one of his, um, not so good days at the time. So he didn't get to do it, but Chet was just, Chet went off about Hank Garland being his hero. It's amazing when you have these great guitar players, they all have their own hero too, somewhere down the line, you sure, know, sure. that's what's so cool. But yeah, uh, Hank Garland, um, was something else in the, the movie, like I say, the movie's good. It's just, um, they didn't get everything completely accurate, of course. And, uh, no, no movie ever does, man. You know, he, and it didn't really tell as much as they should have about how much Elvis thought of him. Uh, Elvis, after he played on Blue Hawaii, Elvis was wanting Garland on, you know, everything he everything, played. Yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me say for our audience, man, even if you don't know, Anybody out there listening, you've you've heard his work. Uh, he played on uh, uh, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree," right? <laughs> and uh, what's uh, what's that other rockabilly jazz Christmas song? Uh, uh, Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jingle Bell Rock. That's mm -hmm. that that original recording of that. that uh, yeah, that that's Hank Garland playing the guitar. Mm -hmm. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the first book I ever wrote back in, uh, published in 96 was called Carolina dreams. Yeah. I've read, that, I've read that book twice. The musical <laughs> legacy of upstate South Carolina. And, uh, that's when I really found out about, you know, we have a lot of people besides Marshall Tucker band that came out of, uh, Spartanburg, you know, Buck Trent and Don Reno and blah, blah, blah. It goes on, right. and on and on. A lot of great talent. Anyway. Um, Anyway, I'm spinning wheels, so I'm going to move on. Uh, we're going to play a record, and then we're going to come back with the meat and potatoes of the program. Uh, going in, I'm going to play uh, one of my, uh, I'll go ahead and say it's one of the people on my um, Diamonds in the Rough. This is a girl from Alabama, and her name is Amanda. Like him, like him Bama girl. Yeah, she's a red-haired girl. Like him, red-haired girl. You know, she's she's beautiful, beautiful red-haired girl. Just talked to her last night and um, she uh, had a career going and she kind of stepped away from it for 10 years and moved to England and then uh, all this kind of stuff. But now as soon as the COVID, uh, you know, like she said, as soon as the COVID's, um, looks like we're all feeling like it's going to happen this summer or fall anyway, the she's going to get back out and start playing again and everything and recording some more. But she, uh, is a great songwriter, singer, guitar player, and, um, uh, Amanda Quarles. And this song I'm playing is, um, I don't know. This song always just got to me. It's one of these little story songs about a, a woman, uh, you know, growing older and stuff like that. And it's called, uh, red haired lady feeling blue. And, uh, yeah, that's a, the whole thing is, is pretty sweet. Uh, the whole song is pretty sweet. So I'm going to play, 
play my girl Amanda, and we'll be back right after this uh, station identification. <laughs> That's not what it is. We'll be back. I don't have a call. station, and I don't want to be identified. Train station. Um, all right, here we go. doesn't like to argue she dislikes to quarrel 
Uh, no, Amanda Quarles. What did I just say? Yeah, I know, didn't I, I just say this? I know, I know, I know. I know. Red haired lady feeling blue. So good. Back with uh, Jimmy uh, Hemphill. What did I tell you no. about calling him that? Bill no. Eli, Jimmy no. Hemphill. Don't go to changing our damn names. We Bill, don't know who we William, are. <laughs> William B. Eli and James Hemphill. I get that a lot. People think my real name is, is William. William. Funny? Yeah. yeah well, you know what I hate more than anything? I hate people calling me Mike. Right. Me, Mike is like some dumbass name. Michael's cool because that was the archangel. <laughs> yeah, but Mike. Yeah, yeah. And that and that's you too. <laughs> it is. It's you we could you could almost like we could ask Jim. Parts. Jim knows a lot about angels and probably the bible and stuff yeah i'm sure uh, he does shit. yeah stuff as far okay, as you know maybe not the bible when i when i say the bible i mean the ramones yeah. <laughs> when you mean the bible you're talking about too much too soon by the, the first the, the first four ramones albums yeah that's what i meant <laughs> yeah. when i said the bible the book the book of ramones that's right book of ramones. those are the gospels the first four gospels that's exactly. the damn new york Do 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 tommy and dd and and jim would be pope I will give the definitive interpretation. Right. Uh, Oh, great. All that being said, don't you think that was anyway? uh, Yeah, let's get into this. Here we go. I actually made my damn list this week, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go first then. All right. It's uh diamonds in the rough, right? And right on. I didn't think of it as diamond in the rust. I, I thought of it more as hidden gems. A lot of these guys don't need to be polished anymore. Just, <laughs> the, the, you know, I mean, they're, they're plenty polished as they are. It's just not stuff that the general public is going to know. And uh, some of these, uh, some of these bands have, have records out and, and actually some of them have big files. Some of these artists have pretty big filings, but it's pretty niche specific. I'm going to start with, uh, I think uh, this is somebody that Jim's familiar with, John Langford from the Mekong. Oh, yeah. And his, uh, and his country band, Waco Brothers. Yes, and, yes. Man, the guy is a great songwriter, and he is a great singer, and he is a phenomenal graphic artist, man. He uh, is. And people that are into, you know, that sort of alt country punk indie indie music thing. When you say his name, I mean, it, you know, they if we we could have talked about him in yesterday's happy hour with the Dagmans. He lives in Chicago. He's he's Welsh, but he's from Wells. But he lives in Chicago. Those guys see him, you know, when there were gigs. Every time he gigged in Chicago, they go and check him out. Uh, it just you know, he's got kind of that whole kind of thing down. He's he's a good singer. He's a good, solid player, man. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. Um, great choice. Oh, uh, we actually, and this is kind of monkeyed up. We were on a we were on a ticket with him one time, and then I didn't. We were down the ticket far enough. I didn't get to actually hear his set. We had. I don't know if you remember that was during South by and we had something doing later. So we had to play and then leave and he right. didn't come on for like three to he. Yeah. We were, we were like down on the, on the 
in the first part, he closed. Uh, that was at the uh, that was at the carousel. It was. And yeah, he 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 actually wrote a song where he said something like, you know, wish I was at the carousel lounge. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great. And, video, and when man. he plays there, he he's got a band here in Austin too called the Far Forlorn that uh, Randy Franklin plays yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, from and, Yard uh, Dog, man. I tell you and, what, Randy, and my fr- my friend, good guitar player, man. And he play he plays wah wah mandolin in the in the Far Forlorn, and uh, my buddy Steve McCarthy <laughs> is the drummer and. Uh, Hunter Darby, uh, from the wannabes uh, yeah. uh, and the, and the uh, diamond smugglers plays bass and they, man, if you're ever in Austin for South by Southwest, which is going on right now virtually, but if there's ever a live one again, right. usually on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, uh, they put together a bill with Langford and the far forlorn, uh, and it is guaranteed great time. Yeah, and, and like right. we'll let you buy as many ciders as you want to buy them. Right. Yeah, he will. <laughs> uh, okay, that uh, and I started with that because that, that was somebody that. Uh, and I got a couple more on here that that uh, Jim Jim for sure will know. Uh, my my number four is a uh, they're they're an L.A. band. Uh, Tex Truster and his Groovy Rednecks, and we've worked a. We, I've worked a bunch of shows with him. I've known Tex for hell, I don't know, 10 or 11 years. And um, they're one of those bands that when you hear their records, man, they're, they're pretty good. When you see their live show, you 100% get it. I mean, it just they are the perfect live band, and they hit such a great mix of classic punk and classic country. And you know, and, and people hear that and they think, oh, it's a bunch of guys playing out of tune guitars. No, man, them guys are badass players. And it, they do a George Jones thing, and you're like, hell, man, George, if, if you could resurrect George Jones and stick him in front of that band, you wouldn't you wouldn't notice the difference. But, uh, yeah, uh, Tex Troster is their front guy, and, and uh, they, they do a – they write some really good songs, and uh, he's got <laughs> – He's got kind of a fuck you sense of humor, which I really like. Uh, I met I met those guys ten or twelve years ago, and and um, I play I played a number of gigs on the same ticket with them. And that, and when I have my choice, and, I, and I'm uh, in LA, there I usually do a show, at least one show with those guys. And uh, anybody out there, man, y'all ought to check them out. They're uh, the great great blend of sort of you know traditional country and fuck you punk it's 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 attitude heavy and uh but they're but they're very good and their original songs are really good even though they turned down longer than a country mile which i pitched to <laughs> and text told me man we only like to record the songs we wrote and i said when i sent you that it only had one verse fucker you were supposed to wrote another <laughs> verse to it oh well, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> you know, that's that punk background, man. Of, well, we got one verse. That's enough. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that was my number four. Uh, my number three, and, and this is a little out of character for the picks that I normally go with. Uh, uh, L.A. band, Human Hands. Uh, why more people don't know that band and and, and 
uh, the principal songwriter in that is Dennis Duck, who is the drummer for uh, uh, help me, Jim. Dream Syndicate. Dream Syndicate. I am not a Dream Syndicate fan. Uh, I don't dislike them. Just you know, it's one of those things. That I, I know that the people that are that are uh, fans of that man are are you know almost rabid. But, but it never spoke to me. But uh, but Dennis Duck, who uh, the who's our drummer, he's a principal songwriter of Human Hands. They have a great. It, it's this melodic, trashy, garagey kind of jangle pop. The uh, their lead vocalist reminds me of uh, 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 the Wall of Voodoo guy, Stan uh, Ridgeway. Yeah, it, it's it, ch just check it out, man. It's yeah. it's melodic, it's garagey, it's it's got so many damn hooks, man. You you come out bleeding. It's uh <laughs> no man, and, and it, that's uh they're they're I have a I have a few of their CDs and and um uh, they mostly do stuff in EPs, man, five six tunes, yep. but uh but the songwriting is great and uh. The album in particular I would uh, would recommend is Beautiful and Bright. And Jim, I know you have a copy of it that. Is, it's terrific. It is really and, terrific. And I would who I would have never thought that the drummer, you know, from a from another big band, would, I was like, wow, man, the guy's a hell of a songwriter, man. And uh, anyway, so yeah, Human Hands is my number three. Uh, for yeah, number three, number two is the Cash Brothers. And yeah, they're they're a Canadian band, and I got turned on to them. They had a they had an indie kind of AAA radio almost hit. I don't even know how long ago. Hell, twenty damn years. It's funny because it to, to me it still feels like wow, well, it was last week. But uh, called Night Shift Guru. That's about it's about working uh, the night shift at a Seven Eleven in the you know, the kind of floats them and jets them of humanity comes drifting past the cash register after 2 a.m. But uh, we were talking about this one time in our happy hour group, and uh, they have an album. I, I don't remember who in the group. Somebody said, oh, yeah. Uh, they have this song called Nebraska that I went and looked up. And it's this cool thing that they wrote about uh, – the song is about driving around listening to the Springsteen album, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> and, but uh, they perfectly know what it's like living in a small town, man. And, and this new album by Springsteen's come out and they got it. And they, they, you know, they got the CD and they plug it in the car and they're driving around and it's, they're listening to stuff and they're talking about the songs and then they're thinking about stuff about their home, the, the town they're in. And uh, so that was my that was my number two. My number one is the Footnotes. It's an awesome <laughs> band. Hey man, more people ought to know than know them guys. And I should say you guys because you're you're their. Uh, at first you were like a supplemental guitar player, and then they were smart enough to put you in the band full time. <laughs> um, I was always a fan of theirs. Uh, when they did that first. Uh, EP that they released and I listened to it and I was like man this is like the best of uh, 60s pop hooks 
70s style arrangements, man, that, you know, it's not just a brainless two chord riff over and over and over again. The lyrics were good. The covers they picked to cover are really good. The vocals are good. And I really liked the band and was a fan of the band. And, and we worked with them on a number of occasions uh, because our, our longtime drummer, Rick Furley, drummed for them. And after one of the gigs we did, they were smart enough to ask Jim Hemphill if he wanted to sit in on a gig with them, which, uh, you know, they, uh, Rick, Rick Akins, are, they're, uh, was a principal songwriter, primary vocalist, and, and guitar player in that band. The only guitar player when they were a trio. And man, he's he's really great. Yes. It needed a little more kick, just in my opinion. And they must have thought so too. So they asked Jim. Jim says, "Yeah, man, I'd love to play a show with y'all." He goes, and does a couple gigs. Then he's playing on their records, and I just have to say, man, the bite that when 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 they moved up to a four piece it just the the sounds coming out of the, just it's phenomenal and they are a and you, you guys man y'all are a great great band i always love it when we're on ticket together man uh and i always say we, we uh we both spring from that uh the wellspring of the Rolling Stones, and I'm the countryside, and Aikens is the rocks. That's about right. That's about right. He is, yeah. That band is Rick Aikens' baby, has been since the '80s, and and he's remarkable. And I'm lucky to just be able to stand at the side of the stage and play some guitar parts every once in a while. Well, man, he's a, he is a phenomenal rhythm player, man. And I mean, he's, really, in that in that vein of, of you know. Not just like playing chords. I mean, plays structured parts like Keith uh, Keith yeah. Richards does in the Stones, and you know, and they were they were great as a trio. But man, again, when they had, when they added you and a dedicated all the time lead guitar player, it yeah, I had that band just popped. Damn, they were good. Oh, uh, still you. are. Although none of us are getting plenty goddamn gigs. Well, that's going to change. That's going to change. Well, we hope so. I see the light at the end of the tunnel, man, uh, this summer. I really do. I see. I I mean, I can just see that. They're starting to, a lot of the people I've talked to, even even here in Spartanburg, are talking about opening the clubs (laughs) back up, you know, uh, mid-summer. Before we move on, man, I want to. So a couple things, and I don't mean to make Jim blush, but uh, uh sure. He, man, when he when he started playing in that band, he did the coolest thing. He plays. Most of y'all know, man. Jim is a longtime lead player in in the band I'm in with him, and he's the most of the time a record producer and the arranger and kind of musical director for lack because somebody's got to do it not and i'm fucking not going to it kind of it kind of fell to jim and uh but you know we do that sort of we have that kind of jangle country rock a little bit of punk thrown in but we also man have some south alabama honky-tonk sounds because of my background and Mostly when Jim plays uh, with me, he mostly plays one of his tellies. Sometimes it's Strat, but it's a, it's a particular tone and sound that comes from the Fender guitar, uh, you know, that, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking of that damn uh, hammer of the honky-tonk gods. Right, right. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, 
sort of an established thing in the, the footnotes had that and and, and Aikens Rick Aikens plays a plays the telly and, and again great player and when Jim joined that band they were like well you know just take some lead lines man play fills and we're gonna kick you some solos to do that Jim was smart enough man to not play a fender he went and got a Les Paul right. and uh, he got a Les Paul to kind of offset that sound and it really fattened that damn band up man. I mean, they they expanded like immediately, and uh, anybody that's in Austin listening to this, y'all get a chance to go hear them, man. Do and uh, anybody that's not in Austin, man, check them out. Yeah, uh, they probably have some stuff on YouTube. I I know y'all have three three or four albums out with you playing on them, so. Well, thanks, man. That's uh, that that's that's nice to hear. It's like I said, it's a fun, fun band to play with, and I've I've really enjoyed. Uh, They're a fun damn band to watch, man. Yeah. Them and Phil Hurd are about the only two bands that I like to get up and put my boots on to go see. Yeah. <laughs> just just remember when you talk about Austin and the great music, okay? Just remember one thing: don't move there. That's the wannabes. <laughs> right. Don't move. Don't move there. here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I moved away from there, man. I'm in the clear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and do mine, uh, just to, because I'm gonna save the best for last. And uh, yeah, you ain't gonna we'll beat see. my list. I mean, well, Jim, no way you gonna beat my Jim list. Jim will beat you like no. a like you stole something. You no, watch. No, I know it will. When was, Billy talking, a, I'm gonna beat Billy's you list like was great. Jim starts talking about the offshoots of the New York dolls and shit, man. It's yep. going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The David Johansson band and, uh, Buster Poindexter and still uh, Sylvain uh, and the teardrops. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about the heartbreakers, man. Uh, that actually was thunder one. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who's up, Jim? No, nah, me, 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 go. I, 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 I'm going to get mine out of the way. Do it, man. Because mine's Mike, gonna, Mike gonna is going to go. Mine's going to be short. Mike. Yeah, Mike, Mike. Come on, Mike. You're Thanks, up. Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, <laughs> William. Uh, yeah. Uh, Y'all on the radio, King. William, <laughs> and William. Okay, see the hand, Read between the lines. There's no lines here. <laughs> no, no. That's this thing you use to pick your nose, isn't it? No, that's, um, a finger, that's a finger I used to tell you to give up. <laughs> well, yeah. like, thank you for sharing. You're welcome, um, man. <laughs> you've really got a potty mouth. Did you know that? Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> don't tell my mama. <laughs> no, she'll never know. She'll never know. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to travel all over the map for my five. Starting in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, when I was fortunate enough Goldmine sent me to do a story on a guy named Bobby Lowell, who was the first rockabilly star of Nebraska in the 50s. And he was also the one that discovered an artist named Boxcar Willie. And uh, he no, signed. No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah, Bobby signed Boxcar Willie to a record label called Roto, Roto Records in Lincoln, Nebraska. So I had to go talk to him about this is right after Boxcar passed away. So I had to talk to Bobby about that. And I ended up becoming friends with this guy. He was old, older, you know, he was late 60s, early 70s then. 
And what's weird is the rockabilly star in the fifties. But when I met him, he was a full fledged biker member of the tribesman motorcycle club, which is kind of like the hell's angels of Lincoln, you know, wore his leather, his colors and all this kind of stuff. What a great guy. And I only got to know him for a couple of years before cancer took him away, but he was a great guy. And he introduced me to all these other bands. And there was a, a rockabilly band in Lincoln called the Mezcal Brothers. And um, Mezcal Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like this already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they're, uh, they're his, they're, uh, they were three piece Hispanic guys. Um, uh, I think they, I've noticed that they've got a fourth now. They're still playing, but they've got a fourth now. But back then, and this was 20 years ago, I can't believe it was 20 years ago. God, it's 20 years ago. Gerardo, the lead singer, uh, Gerardo, uh, and the drummer's name was, get this, Gringo Star. Gringo Star, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I met them in the year 2000. And um, the night that I got inducted into the Rockabilly Hall of Fame, and they got into as a writer, they got inducted into the Rockabilly Hall of Fame as artist. And um, man, I'm going to tell you, Gringo, I mean, Gringo, uh, Gerardo looked like a young Hispanic Elvis. He wore like a Golame jacket, just dressed to the hilt, had the hair greased back, man. It's kind of like a stray cat's, uh, if the stray cats came from Acapulco. You know? Right. And I mean, guy and the bass player, uh, was they were so entertaining, you know. You've seen these guys that do this, but the bass player would stand up on that doghouse bass, just stand up on it while he's playing it. Yeah, he would, do that, do that balance thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or you lay it, it, play it behind his back, or you lay down on top of. It. There's always something going on, and they were just kicking ass. Mezcal Brothers did several albums, and um, I've got one of their songs um, queued up for the end of the show, uh, just so. You can get an idea. They did a song called Hold On Tight. It was fun. And um, we're going to play the Mezcal Brothers. But anyway, I was deeply affected by uh, by these guys. And uh, like I was saying earlier, well, probably. I, I thought you were going to stop after you just said you were deeply affected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, I, I really thought you. that was thank probably you. the end thank of the Period. Deeply affected. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, they used to come out to do the second set and it just i don't know why i found it so amusing but they would kick into the uh instrumental opening of back in black by acdc you know don't 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 and then he would do the horns with his fingers you know the <laughs> devil horns thing yeah and, but they only do that just the opening and then they would stop and everybody's like no go ahead and play it <laughs> And then they go into some, you know, rockabilly thing, but it was just great entertainers. Um, and the zoo bar is just a classic place. And I had so much fun there and got to, to be able to play and do my CD release party at the zoo bar was just amazing. And we had all these great rockabilly hall of fame members playing with me, people that had played like, you know, with, Gene Vincent, Gene Vincent, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the blue caps and them, 
I mean, it's just amazing. I just, I don't know how sometimes, you know, I haven't made a whole lot of money in this lifetime, but God, I got much better rewards, much better than money. I got, I've had experiences that people only dream about. And I'm, I, sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm like, are you really, you really ended up, I mean, I have not got the talent to be on stage with all these people that I've ended up on stage with. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel very, very fortunate, you know, um, moving right along, there's a Southern rock or was a Southern rock band called Swamp Dewamp. Yeah. And, uh, I, re I remember them so good. Gig Michaels, uh, he, he passed away. He passed, it, broke my yeah. heart. it broke my heart. He died January 2016. We've got to be good friends. He's a, great it was a great vocalist big big guy you know 300 something pounds and a great songwriter and entertainer and he, was he reminded like, me of meatloaf yeah meatloaf he had so much char charisma when they did the rock legends cruise with all these famous rock bands swamp the womp they picked swamp the womp to be the uh, host band for the rock legends cruise for the sail away party, you know, when we're leaving port, they're out there playing on the deck. And, uh, oh, and they were just so close, you know, and it's so weird because they were having, you mentioned earlier, uh, Kara Clark one time and Kara Clark and, uh, I just met Kara and Swamp Dwamp around the same time. In fact, they did some shows together, um, which, uh, I didn't get to see, but gig Michaels and Swamp Dwamp, like I said, great albums uh great songs raucous country is a great song uh my drinking song is just classic about it's just a good drinking song um one he wrote called fat boy can jam <laughs> fat boy can jam y'all and one one of my favorites was called a little pill called the truth uh, oh, so, oh yeah what a yeah. good title man. check out swamp to want people on spotify the great thing about spotify man even you know, if you don't want to pay for the subscription i don't i'll take the commercials i don't care but I'll go on there and you can just almost find anything now and listen to it hey, see, if hey. you, see if you want to buy it before you listen to it. i mean listen to it before you buy it hey hey, hey mike can you give me the uh Mike, the, what Jimmy? What what you what you shouldn't have started that both. What's That's the, all right, Jimmy? What the hell is the second word in that band's name? It's not a second word, it's a band. The one word. Swamp one? the Womp. Yeah, it's all I, one word. How are we spelling that? Swamp D E Womp W O M P. Swamp and then D A and then W A M P. Swamp the Womp. Okay. Yeah, Thank just you. Just froze you. I don't. I don't know the band. Thanks. Uh, this is this helps. I'm a few beers. I'm a few. For beers those of you keep a score at home, Jimmy has one. <laughs> I have none. Uh, <laughs> so they were on the verge. Swamp Wamp was on the verge of stardom, and then Gig died, and it was all over. But you're crying. My next one, you may have heard of. Um, if you haven't, you by God need to. It's a guy named Billy Eli. Thanks, Buff. My co-host for many years. Uh, I first time I heard this guy, I was immediately a fan. 
He has the most unique singing voice I've ever heard in my life. It is a signature. It's like a fucking stamp. I mean, it's just, you can always tell. It's like hearing, hearing Dwayne Almond play guitar. I know when, it, when I hear it, I know it's that. When I hear Eli, oh, it's like hearing Haggard or Willie Nelson or something like that, or Shaver. Same thing. Uh, Nobody said that. Billy. So, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, so Billy Eli, uh, he, uh, I've been fortunate enough to do some shows with him. I still don't know how that happened because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm well, like, we've, Wayne's we've world thing. I'm not worthy. Gigs. I'm not worthy. But, uh, yeah, Billy, do not get him mixed up with Billy Elish. That's no, a different yes, person. Do, do not do that. That's a different person. No, do, She's do a different person that. altogether. And Billy is still a male, as far as we know. And Billy's not. And Elish uh, is not. Elish, 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 whatever it is. Um, Billy's albums, uh, he has a bunch of good ones. Hell yeah, maybe the best, but it's also the unexplainable Billy Eli. He had a great liner notes on that album. Hmm. Um, oh, you wrote them, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he had my favorite, one of my favorite top 10 songs by anybody. Ever. Let me get, let me guess, and I already know you like this song, but you <laughs> tell ahead, me all the time. Ahead. And you've recorded it yourself at least twice. Yeah. Is yeah. it she look like Marilyn Monroe? Uh, yeah, thank Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a little bit. It was everything that lined up. The stars lined up on that song. Yeah. Well, number one, I always had a crush on Marilyn Monroe. But, Who the hell did? Everybody. And then, the, the but the whole touching thing, I mean, the way that the lyrics paint the picture of, um, this guy, you know, he's walking out, you know, and he just looks over at the woman. And he's like, you know, he just, you could tell, I mean, it's nice love by right there, man. She looked just like Marilyn Monroe. You want to know what that's really about? Well, yeah, yeah, I know. It's, I it never, whatever you I, wanted to be. I, I never, ever tell people what songs are about. Uh, no, you're not supposed to. No, Dickie well, Betts. Me and, me, and, me and Jim, <laughs> me and Jim were, uh, we were uh, at Terra Nova mastering because uh we were doing the mastering for uh um uh, hell yeah and you were there jim uh mm -hmm. yeah and and uh and jerry tub i don't remember which song it was but he said man i really like this song what's it about and i was looking at him and said it's about whatever you want it to be yeah, about yeah. Mm -hmm. and he said yeah that's a perfect answer and uh anyway so what that's really about that's about the way uh and it just gets kind of convoluted. It's about the way whoever, you know, where you're lost loves from early in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They get better with time. You remember them in a way. Oh, that yeah. They, that that's... they really weren't at the time. And yeah. that's what that's about. You know, that happens I, a lot when, after when I, they the die way too. I remember her, she looked just like yeah. Marilyn Monroe. I that mean, happens that, yeah. a lot. When I think about that, I think about my uh, my uh, wife that uh, passed away. Jill, and I think about how over the years after her death, uh, you know, any bad thoughts have just melted away. Right. You forgot, Everything you forgot all that shit. You just remember happy right. memories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you know, man. I mean, you have a song about Jill in that same vein that Woman we recorded at Jim's place. Uh, 
She was painting her toenails. Oh, I mean, that one. I, yeah, I thought you the, the, t- the title doesn't really do the song justice, but it's about it was about you noticing her that you know she's kind of changing. She doesn't really like to. We don't party anymore now. She's happy being at home and and Listen the highlight of her week <laughs> is Saturday night listening to music, having yeah. you know having a margarita and doing her toenails and right, and, yeah. and see. I like I like that song. Let me just say, I don't like the title, but I like the song. Uh, I'm well, glad I, I had that title because McGarry goes, I, I, I think paint the your title, toenails. I, th- I, think the, I think the title trivializes the story in the song, which is not really that much different than, uh, than my Marilyn Monroe song. It's not about Marilyn Monroe. It's about a girl I knew one time that as the older I get, the way I remember her is, I, like you said, i toned all that other good crap and you know i've toned out the part where she was bipolar i, yeah. I, I toned out the part i toned out the part where my car was on fire yeah I yeah I left all that out where That's, all your shit was on the front lawn right where all my shit yeah. was on the front, where, where my guitar was in 14 pieces exactly yeah, I god I, I know that yeah i can't right. i can't 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 hear the sirens anymore right i no longer <laughs> hear the sirens well, they, you need to write that. And, That's a song man, right I and can't those, hear and, the sirens. And the, and the hand and the handcuffs scars heal. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, let me get let me finish up, Billy. Uh, I wanted to say that other songs besides Maryland, uh, just song my favorites uh, include uh, "People Like Us." Is just absolutely wonderful. Well, song. that's about my boy. Yes, yeah, about your boy and uh, "Spook Lights, Martha." And, uh, of course, I love Cheese Enchiladas, uh, Adam's <laughs> song as well. Me and, um, Kenny, me and Kenny wrote that when we were drunk on, like, half-cured beer he made. <laughs> I'm still, I'm actually still surprised we didn't fucking go blind. <laughs> and we, uh, we Was that the one with the, sl- the slight aftertaste of benzene? Yeah, and if by slight, if by slight you mean it blistered your mouth, yes. yeah. I would be yes. remiss not to mention the latest one, which is Anya Nights, uh, which is also a just really infectious song that it gets. I've gotten as I've gotten older, I think I may have a brain problem because oh, I get a song in my head and I want to get it. I mean, you, you know, I know you people, everybody says they have that, but no, I mean where I can't even go to sleep at night because the song is repeating on a loop in no, my I thought, brain. I, thought and I, we all did. I thought we all did that. You I can't know. purge it for shit. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I try to think of a different song. Well, I've had y'all, I had on your nights like two days and two nights in my head. And it only got replaced when I heard paradise by the dashboard light. <laughs> And I couldn't get that out of my head. Is, now that's a pairing right there. <laughs> yeah. Meet Loaf and Billy Eli together again for the first time. Okay. My other two quickly. I said I was going to have a quick list, but I didn't. I, I got to singing the praises here, of Billy man. Eli. Number two is uh, from a, um, a player earlier from uh, Alabama, Miss Amanda Quarles. Uh, wonderful singer, songwriter, redhead. My favorite redhead woman, uh, just an amazing singer songwriter, uh, plays great solo acoustic. She always blew me away with her rendition of, uh, Led Zeppelin's ramble on just her and the guitar just ripping it up, man. It's so good. 
And the song I played earlier, uh, Red Haired Lady Feeling Blue, uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, total professional. Done a lot of shows together. And like I'd said earlier, um, she had the gift of playing solo in a room full of drunks where they're just obnoxious and loud and everything. And she still maintained her poise and calm and just sang her songs, you know, and that's hard to do. I've done that myself, but you know, it's just really hard when people are not even paying any attention to what you're doing. You're up there putting your heart on the line and there's people just drunk off their ass, yelling shit and throwing things. <laughs> and I mean, it's crazy. So anyway, I just love it to see somebody else is able to, to handle it uh, with grace and dignity like Amanda. Um, there were so many times in so many of her shows where I just wanted to stand up and yell at the audience and go, shut the fuck up and listen. This is an artist and you're lucky to even be hearing her. Uh, okay, so anyway, I'm stepping down now off of my soapbox. But uh, yes, Amanda Quarles. Number, uh, I, when I say these five, I say number one. Well, the five are not necessarily in order. Right, I never are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to go uh, here with my, my girl again. I uh, played her at the top of the program, Marshall Chapman. She was born in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and moved to Nashville many, many, many years ago. She's recorded 14 albums and written songs that were recorded by people like Emmylou Harris. And her biggest hit was recorded by a band called Sawyer Brown. They did the Betty's Being Bad that she wrote. I remember uh, that song. Yeah, yeah. All the boys are getting ready to fight. Yeah, yeah. She's written so many great songs. Well, uh, uh, got, Betty's Being Bad to not her and her boyfriend had a big had fight. Had a big That's, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Marshall, um, uh, she's, like I said, done 14 albums. One of the best was uh, live at the Tennessee State Women's Correctional Facility where she went in there and played for the prisoners. And uh, just, man, she had them in the palm of her hand. And um, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. And then she did it. There's an album out called Goodbye Little Rock and Roller that's uh, kind of like her greatest hits. It's also the title of her memoir book. She's a great writer, too. She wrote a memoir called Goodbye Little Rock and Roller. And then she wrote a sequel called It Came From Nashville. But she's just very talented. And like I said earlier, uh, Marshall, every Saturday afternoon, I have, I've been watching every one of them for 30 weeks at least. But she's, last week was her 50th consecutive Saturday uh, live stream free on how, Facebook. And how can we watch that again? Go to Marshall Chapman facebook page marshall chapman and it's a uh, four o'clock eastern standard time um for an hour and her husband chris uh broadcasts it on an iphone <laughs> it's amazing how good the cameras are on the iphone but uh and there's a chat going on you know at the same time between uh all the people and she takes requests and it's just i don't it's just more fun than the barrel of monkeys. Uh, by the way, I just I wanted to also mention that she's an actor and has been in several movies. The latest one was uh, a movie called Mississippi Grind, where she played Ryan Reynolds' mother. 
uh, it was typecasting because she was also a uh, singer in a country bar, you know. Right. But, uh, Marshall's a very talented lady and everything like that. So that about that. And that wraps up my list of the top five. Now it's time to go over to Jimmy. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew I could yeah, hear you. Him it. You don't get to you don't get to be an asshole and have to go <laughs> unchallenged. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't work here. Never has. Yeah, well. So I, every, I never needed to uh, you know to be challenged. Uh, I was just an asshole anyway. So go ahead. To to no one's surprise, I have two lists. My first <laughs> list is going to be fast. I actually am surprised. I'm it, surprised it's not five. <laughs> go ahead. My first one. My first one in no particular order will go fast. Number okay. one, Michael Buffalo Smith. Number two, the <laughs> unexplainable Billy Eli and his amazing spook lights. Number three, the footnotes. Number four, Neoterics. Number five, this season's losers. All right, that's all the self-promotion I'm going to do because I have been lucky <laughs> enough to play, play all with all things. five of those. Yes. Uh, so, right. uh, <laughs> okay. So, I now feel, let's get under your realist. So here's a realist. And I also didn't include any Austin bands on this because that would have been, the, I could have done just a list of Austin, but I'm staying out Austin. These are organized, but these are organized from the band that had the most success, then in descending order of success until you get to number five, which had absolutely no success. Okay. So number one is a band called The Silos. Okay. The, the Silos first three records are freaking amazing and to me are keystones in what didn't became Jason Victor do some album stuff with them I, I like think him. he did I think no, he did. I worked a gig with him one time in New York City he's he's terrific he's terrific player but this yeah. is this is before right the, right the, this was when they right yes so it was the the silos were founded by two guys Walter Salas Humara and Bob Roop and they both played guitar, wrote and sang, and right. they put out their first record, which was called About Her Steps, an indie record, which was really good record. Then they put out their second record called Cuba that was <laughs> unbelievably killer. And, cri uh, and critically acclaimed. I, well, I have they no were both, idea how it sold. But. Rolling Stones critic poll, critics poll named them Best New Artist that year. I, you know what? The, their influence is probably deeper than their fame was, but they exactly. were one of the very first bands. I don't just mean musically that took over their own production and did not do it in an established studio. They rented a room that sounded good yep. and brought stuff in and recorded like at that time was called remote, but it, I mean, you know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah. And they were, they were one of the first bands to do that. And, you know, there had been that mix of alternative and country before, you know, right. Jason and the Scorchers and the Beat Farmers and everything. But the thing that the, that, that the silos brought to it was some of the singer songwriter aspect into where, where that, where that was. Their uh, songwriting was exceptional. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the, their second record, Cuba got them signed to Warner brothers where they right. put out one record just called the silos, AKA the album with the bird on the cover. Right. And they played, uh, they played uh, letterman behind that record and they got a big write up in musician magazine and it was supposed to be huge. Uh, our our missing co-host Patrick Beach and I saw him uh, one night, one cold night in Iowa City, Iowa, with about ten other people uh, on the Cuba tour, and they were fantastic. 
Um, Sol- Walter Salas Humara was really kind of the main guy. He wrote and sang more of it, but Bob Roop added that extra thing. He was a better guitarist and he had kind of a more R and B soulful voice, uh, and didn't write as much, but s- had some great, great songs, a great song called maybe everything on the, on the Warner brothers record, a great song called she lives down the street on Cuba. And after their Warner brothers album didn't quite make them stars, they kind of broke up. Uh, Roop left the band, ended up in uh, Cracker, David Lowry's band from Camper Van Beethoven. Uh, but then Walter Salashumara kind of reconstituted the silos, and now they're, that band is whatever he says they are. Still great, but their first three records, About Her Steps, Cuba, and the self-titled record, are just amazing. And it was when those two were together that they had the magic. And, uh, you know, everyone thought they were going to be bigger than they were, and they probably should have been, but I think they were highly influential. So that's the silos, number one. Number two, completely different genre. From Boston, a band called the Cave Dogs from the early Never 90s. even heard of them. The Cave and, you know, the Cave Dogs should be mentioned anytime nerdy middle-aged guys in Big Star t-shirts get together to talk about power pop. The fact that the Cave Dogs are not automatically mentioned is a tragedy because they're... Do the Degmans know about the Cave Dogs? I would imagine they must, uh, but they put out their first record, which was called Joyrides for Shut-Ins. And and, uh, in about 90 or 91, and I saw them at the first South by Southwest I went to in 1991, I saw them. They were a trio. They were a pop band. They played Rickenbackers, but they played them really loud. Uh, and the thing about the cave dogs is all three of the guys wrote and sang the, the guitar player, the bass player and the drummer, and they all had slightly different styles, but they were all really good. The bass player looked and sounded like John Lennon, his, his, his vocals did. The guitar player was kind of the more aggressive, uh, songwriter and the drummer was the more eclectic songwriter. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, power pop has a limited audience. But I thought these guys, you know, are going to go somewhere. And I thought maybe all three of them being writers, they can't hold together. They put out a second record that wasn't as good. And I thought, and then they broke up and I thought, well, one of them will break out and just never happened. It just never happened. And, uh, but that first record, Joy Rides for Shut-Ins, man, it's still, I think is, is a, is a landmark uh, power pop album. Not so much for Boston band, not so much for their influence, Right, right. But just, just because it's right. really good, a really good record with really varied songs on it. And, uh, and you know, three distinct voices as writers, but they all sounded good and, and it all worked together because they were the same guys playing the songs. Right. And so uh, I, I still think that's a great record. Ed Stassium produced it, who was producing a lot of that kind of stuff. They're not unlike the Smithereens, but with a little bit more I was, variety. I was going to ask about that, man, because... Uh... They had two different. They, they had a couple different songwriters in their band, right? And that you can sort of hear from song yeah. to song. Yeah, mostly Pat Denizio, who, right. who mostly, died a couple but, years ago. But uh, but but yeah, the, yeah, they they I'd say they were a little bit more varied and a little bit more. You know, uh, they had a lot of mid-period Beatles in them. You know, they're kind of the right. You know, uh, rain paperback writer revolver kind of era Beatles stuff. It's a lot of hook stuff, dude. Man. Very, yeah, very hooky, very hooky. The third band is a band that's still around and still playing, and no one's ever heard of. And they answered the question that we didn't know needed asking: What would it sound like if Tina Turner fronted the MC5? 
And this is a band called the I, Bell. I ask that question. This is a band called the Bell Rays from California, from Southern California. But they <laughs> sound like they just stepped out of a Detroit garage. They are a fantastic band. Um, the singer's name is Lisa, and I can't remember her last name. Um, but uh, they're still around. Mr. Beach and I saw them a, not long before the pandemic started at a, at a bar here in Austin again with about fifteen other people. And I think the reason they haven't conquered the world is I'm not sure they have the songwriting, but my God, they have the sound. Loud, raucous garage punk with someone out front belting it like Tina Turner. I mean, really, really something. The Bell Rays, you should, if you, if you like, they're kind of a soul punk band. Um, check them out. They are really, really, really good. The Bell Rays. Number four uh, is going back to the 80s, a band from Springfield, Missouri called Fool's Face. Fool's Face is a band, and remember, I'm going in descending order of fame, so we're getting to right. pretty obscure now. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting into stuff that only you've heard of. Fool, well, Fool's Face I saw in bars a lot in the early 80s. Uh, five piece, two guitar, bass, drum, keyboard, and everybody but the drummer wrote and sang so they had four songwriters and four singers and literally i don't know that i've ever heard any band at any level have harmony vocals as good as theirs were live incredible singers um these are guys who obviously came up during the classic rock era had uh influence obviously beatles stones who kinks zombies but then really had their ears open to stuff like The Clash and Elvis Costello and kind of combined the, the classic rock influence and the uh, 60s British pop influence along with American Garage and early punk and new wave and had great songs. They were a great live band. Uh, their records now, they put out uh, two vinyl records, which I have, which sell now in the hundreds of dollars because they're kind of a cult band. Right. Uh, and uh, they went out to California to try to make it and of course didn't and broke up and their bass player is still in the industry. He, I think runs a studio in Cleveland or somewhere like that. Um, but they still get together most New Year's Eves when there's not a pandemic and do reunion shows in uh, the Kansas City area. And maybe 10 years ago, got back together and did an entire new CD of newly written stuff. Uh, they were a huge, uh, band in trouser press magazine ira robbins loved them and the trouser press record guide has a nice write-up on fool's face and this is a band that that there's there was no reason for them not to have been as big as any other 80s you know uh kind of popish new wave skinny tie band but just didn't get the breaks uh and that happens uh you know it's my theory that any town of any size you could walk into a bar and see a band that if they got the right breaks could be could be a nationally known band. And that's where my fifth band comes in. Um, one night in uh, a hotter than hell night in Tempe, Arizona, surprisingly enough, in June or July, I don't know, 110 or something. I walk into a bar and there's this, another trio playing. What bar? Uh, it was called Chewy's. Okay. Yeah. And um, this band was called The Strand. And they were. I've actually heard of this band. They they were a three piece. I, I don't know anything about their music, but I have heard of this band. There have been, and you know, it's fun. It's funny because there's actually another band from the Phoenix area, more recent, called The Strand, that has nothing to do with this band. 
but this band, um, I, I, they just created such an atmosphere. Uh, the guitar player was clearly the guy who was writing the song, sang the songs, good player. Um, and they, they, but they created such a mood, right? They created such an atmosphere. It was They were a little bit power pop. They were a little bit roots rock. They had a little bit of that early Chris Isaac thing going on a little bit rockabilly, um, great two-part vocals. Um, you know, a lead singer with one guy doing harmony above him is one of my favorite things to hear. They just had, they were locked in and they just were atmospheric and the guitar player turns out his name is Bruce Canole. And he just, he was a big, tall, tall, but rail thin guy looked a little bit like Charlie Sexton had charisma to burn. And I thought this guy is a star. Well, I, I know a lot of people in Phoenix for, uh, for a lot of different reasons. And I, I came to learn a lot about this band afterwards. It turns out that Bruce Canole had previously been in a band called the Jetsons with a Z that was one of the most influential bands in the Phoenix music scene. Again, and, another band I've heard of. Never heard them, but know that know that yeah, name of that band. They were hugely influential in the Phoenix music scene, and they were like the heroes to the guys who became the Gin Blossoms. Right. Well, uh, and, and as you know, I am a huge Gin Exactly. Right. And... Um, Turns out that Bruce Canole, uh, he was in the Jetsons and he had this band, The Strand, that I saw and just thought they were fantastic. Um, and as as much charisma as he had, he and rock star looks he had, he also had the uh, the heroin problem to go along with all that rock star magnetism. Okay, now when you say problem, <laughs> uh, apparently it derailed some of his bands along the way, uh, uh, and. Uh, you know, this is no, this is no secret. He's been open about it and he's written about it and he's still around in the Phoenix music scene. He, he later had a band that was sometimes called the suicide Kings and sometimes called the revenants, um, which was a great kind of alt country band. And, uh, he had some solo records, but to me, the strand was the thing. And they put out one four song cassette. That's all they ever put out officially. It is, and this week I went looking for it. It's actually available on Amazon as a download. I do not recommend it. They did it earlier in the early in the history, and it's just a little bit too pop for me. It doesn't have that overlay of that kind of noir twang that they that they developed later on that you could hear live. And just to make sure I wasn't misremembering the Marilyn Monroe effect, right? That she looked like Marilyn Monroe effect. Yeah. I wasn't making it more rosy. There actually is some vintage footage of the Strand playing live on YouTube, and they and it captures that noirish uh, roots rock rockabilly skinny tie new wave pop thing they had going on in the in the eighties. Eighties was a great time for for the you know for uh, for that kind of mixture of sounds, and they just. And the thing about it, like I said, was the charisma and the atmosphere they created was was really something that impressed me who, you know, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of bands, but they they stick out in my mind to this day from hearing them in 1988. Um, and like I said, you can walk into, you know, if you're lucky enough, you can walk into a bar in a lot of places and, and see a great band that but for, you know, uh, attitude or luck or heroin could have been as big as anyone else. So that's the strand from Phoenix, Arizona. Is hey, my, dude, is my I'm pick. not going to sit here and listen to you disparage heroin. 
<laughs> well, it, are, it, are, are any opiates? It has its ups and downs. They're not. They're uh, not the, the the opiates are not. They don't single you out. <laughs> that's true. Right, that's right. true. They haven't. They haven't. Luckily enough. So anyway, yeah. that's my list. Well, good. Good stuff, man. It's good to hear about all these. Bands. I always like Jim and and Patrick when he's here. I always like their list, man, because they all been. I go one, two, sometimes three levels deep, and that's far as I ever get. Well, yeah, and man, they, Jim, Jim and Patrick both get five, six, seven, sometimes eight levels deep. Jim man. may go twenty levels deep uh, I, because it's always a list of. Uh, a well, list his list are always lists. multiple lists. <laughs> a, list, a list of lists, exactly. A list of well, lists. Well, I have but... to say, some of those guys that you mentioned, and it's it's you'll get this. I don't know their music, but I know who their band was, and I know the stuff that they did. And uh, the last guys you were talking about, you were talking about the uh, the effect that they had on uh, the Jim Blossoms, which. I think those guys influenced that whole kind of Phoenix area. As you know, I had an album by uh, a band that was on RCA for one album, The Sidewinder. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they they kind of got almost famous there for a few minutes for their uh, interpretation of Solitary Man, the, right. the Neil Diamond song. But, man, that was a great band, unfortunately. That's why I don't always think those major label things are a great deal. You know, they take, they take good bands and then try and squeeze them into a thing and, you know, to, to what will sell next month, as opposed to what are y'all good at? I, yeah. I would say, uh, one of Buff's favorite, you know, artists, uh, Maria McKee ran into that with Lone Justice. Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. if they had been allowed to just kind of develop as a band they were, because, man, they were so damn good. But, were, uh, yeah. but you know, major label did. The label wanted to put, put it up and make you, it to you Maria start, show. You got you to start making money day after tomorrow. <laughs> and also, they decide they go with the cute girl and they go, well, we'll make her the star and the rest of them are expendable, you know? Yeah. I mean, you that's what happened. You can't with do Blondie that with too. a band. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't work with ensembles when you do them that way. Anyway, yeah. well, uh, you were talking about you're you're talking about the podcast guys. All of us or all of you. Um, and I just I'd like to say publicly that <laughs> since we've been doing this now, forty some odd shows, some more odd than others. Um, They're all odd. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, because of uh, you guys i've gotten so many recommendations um you know that i ended up it's cost me a pile of money I was to say you ended up, you ended up spending money you didn't have to buy i've got books. no i've got let me honest to god there's a stack of books 10 books stacked up and i'm going one at a time i don't read that fast but i'm doing the uh, please kill me but then i've got all these other books lined up so and not only the podcast but also i got one book that was a recommendation from one of the guys on the uh happy hour um it's a it's a book by buzz what's it bugs carson carson 
um, the songwriter and everything. Anyway, it's uh, Everlasting Love is the name of the book. And I, I've got to read it. God almighty. I'm never going to finish all these books. Anyway, uh, I'm happy, though, because it's like, I don't know. I just like, I've always loved uh, hearing new things and reading about things. And when the guys on Happy Hour got me onto the uh, Ugly Things magazine, good God almighty, there's enough stuff in there. In one yeah, because you needed something. You needed some other underground thing to be obsessed with. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. Something else to be obsessed with. Um, anyway, that's gonna wrap it up. We have got oh my gosh, we've got a what was this show today? About four or five hours? Um yeah, about at, l- at least. <laughs> so uh I've got your assignment for next week if you decide to accept it. Okay. Please remember that after I say this. The message will self-destruct and maybe me too. I'm not sure. Fucker. It's going to be the time. Damn the program is Get this. All about that bass. Yes. Great bass players of any oh, genre. Right. A lot of right. people do not realize just how important the bass is. I'm only going to list bass players that I have personally played with. Okay. Well, that should be about 48. Uh, Put Joey Parrish on your list. And uh, um, I'm not, however, going to list people, bass players I've played with because I've only played with two. Um, you know, really, actually, Joey with most in most of the bands, I would say. Um, but anyway, it's because you, you can always count on Joey to be sitting around not doing anything. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, yeah, any genre bass players. And, um, I can see, I can, I can almost kind of like hear the gears and Jim's mind turning right now. I think he's already made the third of his five lists in his head. He's made two of them. I'm going to go for a full on five lists of five. Just the, uh, I would, <laughs> I would if I were you. Was it uh, Kane from the Dolls or whatever his name was? <laughs> yeah, no, he's not going to make it. I can promise you that. It wasn't exactly a great bass player, was no, he? No. no. Okay, I, I have a question about that, Jim. Will any bass players on your list be bass players that used a pick? Oh, yeah. Ooh, I don't know. Could be felt, maybe a felt. I mean, pick. I know because I mean, bass players will fight over that, man. Yeah, I don't but know. I've heard, but I've heard some great bass players that use the pick. Oh, I have too. I, I have too. And I, I think I, I like bass players who can do either. Me too. Or I like bass players that only play with their thumb, like Tommy Caldwell did. Or uh, bass players that actually show up to the gigs on time. A lot of time, that's the main thing. Right? I never had that problem with bass players. It was always drummers. Um, we, had, we were like, it was kind of like Spinal Tap. I never knew if we were going to have a drummer. Or if he did show up, he might explode. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, not in a good way. Cause yeah, speed, not in a good way. Hey, no. Buff, speed kills, buff. That's what she said. Um, all right, we're going to go. In closing, I would like to say thank you to everyone who listened. How, how come you always say some typical thing like that? When you ever say something cool like, in closing, I'd like to say, gobba dibba dibba dibba.
and make yeah, something yeah. up. <laughs> well, I save that. I save that for the end. I've already recorded oh. the end cap, and the end cap says, uh, "Uh, make sure to tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel." I love so anyway, this show. That. But we're gonna close out with the Mezcal Brothers out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and hold on tight. Uh, Gringo Star on the drums. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> All right, thanks a bunch. Bye, we'll y'all. See you soon. Bye, y'all. Be good. y'all. Hold on tight and don't let go of the head, move the door, when you're moving too slow, we're on the rock and roll, well, hold on tight and don't let go, hey, my baby, don't you know, I'm going to rock a little more, I'm going to move it on the floor, well, hold on tight and don't let go, pretty baby, pretty baby, come on in. Some good old rockabilly music right there, baby, from Lincoln, Nebraska. That's the uh, Mezcal Brothers, man. Yeah. Great guys. Great guys. Man, they've been going for years and years. And um, I had the privilege of doing a couple of shows with them back some uh, mm, probably 20 years ago. Man, I time is just really blowing my mind. I don't know. But they're still going, going strong. Mezcal Brothers. Um, we want to thank the sponsors as always for the kudzu radio hour, um, Springer mountain farms, chicken Springer mountain farms down in Georgia. They have fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts. None of that junk, man. This is healthy, fresh chicken Springer mountain farms man the only name to look for when you're looking for good chicken springermountain.com uh that's springermtn.com and you can read more about it there or you can also have it delivered to your doorstep in a cool pack i mean yeah i've done that before too so get you some springer mountain farms chicken 
program is also brought to you by that little old band from Los Angeles called the Box Masters. And they have a great album out now called Light Rays. Absolutely wonderful album. Just great songs, great stuff, man. The Box Masters rock. They got a little bit of 60s influence. Jingle Jangle guitars. Um, lots of great harmonies. Lots of great uh, lyrics. That's everything, man. It's just a great band. The Box Masters, uh, Bud Thornton and J.D. Andrew headed up. And uh, they write all the songs and record, you know, pretty much do almost everything in the recording studio, just those two guys. They're just multi-talented. Check them out at theboxmasters.com. That's right, man, theboxmasters.com. And be sure to read the latest issue of Kudzu Magazine, issue number 41, with a uh, cover story on Freddie Salem from the Outlaws, an interview with Freddie, and all sorts of other stuff. It's all free at www.kudzumag.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag.com. Please visit the video channel, the Ambassador of Southern Rock channel on YouTube. And uh, I'm posting new stuff all the time. Interviews, uh, interview with Roger Earl from Foghat. There's an interview with Sean Murphy from Little Feet. Interview with Freddie Salem from the Outlaws. Uh, my buddy Rebel and I have done a couple of shows on greatest ever Southern rock albums, greatest ever Southern rock singers, guitar players. And we've got, I've got one being posted today, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the recording of the Almond Brothers at Fillmore East. Be sure to write us at kudzumag at yahoo.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag at yahoo.com. And thank you for listening again. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we hope you will tune in again next time, next Saturday, same bat time, same bat channel. Take care and we'll see you guys down the road. Hope everybody's getting their vaccine. I'm getting mine tomorrow. I'm excited, ready, ready to live. How about you? Later on. <laughs>